A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Garden Better, the new podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm Roger Fox, and with me is Jenny Dillon. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Roger. We're both horticulturists, and in each episode, we'll be dishing the dirt on all things gardening. We'll be wandering around the February Garden, putting the spotlight on some of its signature flowers, having a look at what jobs need to be done at this time of the year, and also getting into the veggie patch and seeing what needs to be done there. One of the biggest problems at this time of the year is countering pest and disease problems. And I've got Angie Thomas from Yates coming in later for a chat all about them and what you can do to solve the problems. And coming up after that, we get to talk to Milton Black, who's Australia's favourite astrologer, about how you can garden by the moon. So let's kick off by looking at flowers, because that's something everyone wants in their garden. A bit of colour, and in late summer there's not a lot. And one of my favourite plants is the crepe myrtle, because it bursts into flower just when everything else in your summer garden seems to have finished. Um, And it's a tree, so you get lots of bang for your buck with the flowers. They're gorgeous, aren't they? Oh, they're fantastic. I'm a host mother, and um, a couple of weeks ago I took two trips out to the airport to pick up two of my students from China and all the way back from the airport they kept on saying oh my god what's that tree oh my god is that the same tree and they just were absolutely stunned by it yes they, and you really notice it because they're used so much as a street tree yes. so that's what you were seeing you know they're wonderful colours you see them along footpaths and they're great in that situation because they don't get too tall so therefore you're not fighting so much with the wires but if you do have the situation of having them lopped off by uh, the power line people, um, they bush back really well and, and grow back again. They're great in a garden too because they don't get too large there either. They're compact size. And then they cross the seasons a bit because they get really nice autumn foliage too, oh, don't they? Oh, beautiful. Sort of a rusty red-brown colour that sort of has a sort of really rich tinge to it. It's great. And you yeah. don't normally get a flowering tree which also gives you autumn colour. So that's great. And then this winter... And then there's winter because when the leaves all drop, the bark's absolutely lovely too. It really, really comes into its own. Though. They're the most gorgeous pastel colours, but they're quite distinctive and there's sort of like a, a little drama happening on, on the, the on trunk. On the trunk. It's a sort of mosaic effect, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. they're really gorgeous all round. And um, one of the ranges that I really like, actually, the um, Indian Summer. Uh, crepe myrtles because they've got extra good colours, they're quite compact in size and they don't seem to get some of the powdery mildew diseases that some of the foliage attracts on the older varieties. So if our listeners are looking for crepe myrtles for their place, they're in flower now, so a nice time to head to the nursery and uh, yeah, look for the Indian summer range because they're really lovely. Yeah, but there's a few other um, flowering trees this time of the year, Roger. Of course there are, and I know you grow one of the loveliest, which is a native as well, and that's the Buckinghamia. Oh, it's just beautiful. It's also known as the Ivory Curl because at this time of the year it just bursts with these beautiful long racemes of ivory curls that just cover all the foliage. It describes it perfectly, doesn't it? It's like a bridal veil. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely wonderful. And how have you found it size-wise? Does it grow to a good size in a home garden? Does it get too large? It's grown to a great size as far as I'm concerned. Um, It's only about five years old. It's already about 20 metres high. Wow. That's a quick growth rate. It is. It really is. Ben, even better, I'm 
got next door to me a really boring 30-year-old apartment block with balconies overlooking my garden, and so I can't see a thing. He does a job. Yeah, the foliage is really dense, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and also they're part of um, uh, the Proteaceae family of Australian plants, which is a bit plant nerdy, but it's a group of it's a group of plants that don't like phosphorus too much in their fertilizer. So I guess it's one of those plants that you use a non-phosphorus, an Australian native-specific fertilizer on if you're feeding it. Well, I'm a bit remiss. I just ignore it. <laughs> it just grows, and it grows. Forget it, the feeding. It's it's from North Queensland. It's a rainforest tree. So that contributes to its gorgeous green foliage when the flowers aren't there. But it, it also just really thrives in Sydney and in Melbourne. It just is – it's it's plant and neglect, basically. Yeah, it's a wonderful tree. So the ivory curl flower. And uh, also, oddly for a plant from North Queensland, it will tolerate a bit of light frost. As yeah. you said, they'll grow in Melbourne. So yeah. a good one to keep an eye out for. And I guess the only other tree that catches my eye at the moment are tibicinas, which straddle the end of summer and then head into autumn. They're only just starting now, but they're yeah. looking lovely too. And they'll go on for many weeks from now in all those amazing purple colours, won't they? Oh, stunning purple. Yeah, it's so. just and, and again, it, it just absolutely Absolutely covers the tree, so you're yes. just not seeing anything. And with the tipachinas now, you can get them in, in tiny little bushes. You can plant them as a little border yeah, plant. Yeah, they're dwarf ones as well, aren't they? Yeah. And there were those new cultivars, which were compact as well. I think Jules was the name of one and Jazzy and a whole lot of different colours. So yeah. they're another lovely one to look out at this time of year. So we've uh, we've pointed out that you might think late summer, early autumn doesn't have a lot going for it colour-wise, but they're all good examples. Yes, and don't forget the frangipani. Oh, the frangipani, of course, which starts a lot earlier, though. You get flowers from it yes, right through. Yeah, but the, I just remember them when um, when we're going to school and the first thing you do when you walk into the school in February is there's just flowers carpeting the playground. Yeah, absolutely. And all the little girls wander around with flowers in their hair. Yeah, it's yeah, so sweet. Course. Yes, the classic <laughs> thing. Now, frangipanis you can't forget. And, of course, you get months and months of colour out of those yes. as well. So they're absolutely beautiful. Okay, so we've done the colour. Now let's turn to um, the endless process for gardeners of jobs, which never end. And in late summer, there's always a few things to do. Um, And one of the jobs I've always find uh, is essential is uh, a bit of summer pruning. People always think of pruning as being a winter task. But as any keen gardener knows, especially once your gardens gardens mature and flourishing, things go a bit haywire and all this summer warmth uh, and late summer rain makes things go crazy. One of the things I notice particularly is climbers because they send out crazy twisting tendrils and at this time of year I'm cutting them back madly um, and some of my trees have gone mad too. Are you a summer pruner, Jenny? Do you have to get the secateurs out? Yes, I am. Actually, I battle two things every morning when I walk up the path to the back of my garden. The first thing is the spiders, the spider webs and the beautiful golden orbs with their golden webs across the path so I chop them through with my hands <laughs> and then I have to battle my pandorias. I've got them growing over arches and the arches are just straining under the right. weight of them. Pandorias, another fabulous climbing plant it's and a native one. In a native case. jasmine, it's yeah, beautiful. Native jasmine. Is and it a pink or a white you've got? It's a pink. Yeah, and, oh, I've got a pink and a white and a yellow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm all there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, the ones that miss the, the arches, they're just sort of falling down. It's like you're walking through a lacy veil of all these long tendrils, so they have to be clipped. Yeah, they do have to be clipped. Of course, it's always that decision between leaving a scene that looks gorgeous in the garden and just tolerating the mess or getting the secateurs out and being a, a little Mr. Neat. It, it comes down to personality a bit. I think I'm about halfway. It comes down to when you have guests, really. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I tolerate it for a while, and then it gets to a point where I think, no, I've got to hack back some order into this garden. Yeah. So climbers are a big... Uh, a big thing shrubs and trees a little bit uh, too yeah 
Um, hedges probably won't start, or they'll probably finish growing about now. So you yeah, can do true. a bit of tidy up. They've yes, put on true. a lot of of growth over summer. Yeah, that's and it's true. been really wet this summer as well. So it's been wet in certain places. Yeah, yeah. Sydney's ended well, up getting quite, places, of course. quite a lot, and that's sent those sorts of things crazy. Um, and the other um, plant that some people prune back at this time, not everyone does, are hydrangeas. And again, you can either leave the old flowers on and just let them gracefully age into autumn when they go I like all those. That. Pa- yes, so do I, like I actually. That. Or again, you. Can can prune the flower heads off and if you're doing that you're meant to cut back behind a flower head just above a pair of buds is the uh, is a gardening law on that one so that's normally the procedure um, another job wise it's a bit of an in-between season there's not a great deal to do because autumn's around the corner and all the autumn jobs that come along bulb planting and lots of autumn planting and that's just a little way off so you are allowed to have a break and sit on the bench at this time of year as well I think oh we do that absolutely we do that. yeah <laughs> So now let's move on to another popular area of gardening, which is the veggie patch. Everyone wants to seem to to grow their own food these days, whether it's in a vegetable patch or just in some containers at the back door. Um, There's not a great deal, again, that you do now. It's too early for autumn veggie planting, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, way too early. Way too early. So it's more a case of... Uh, keeping things steady as she goes, pulling out things that have died, certainly get rid of stock that's uh, not looking good and um, and just keeping things sort of uh, in, in check. And, of course, if you live in an area with an extended summer, and in Australia seems to be getting more and more summers that extend through March, it's a good time to also pop in a few extra summer veggies because you'll get a few more weeks of growth out of them. Things like, what would you say, Jenny? Lettuce Lettuces maybe? and tomatoes. Cherry tomatoes yeah. are good, aren't Lettuces they? Lettuces are great, and if you stagger them, you know, sort of plant Absolutely. them week by week, then then you're getting a constant harvest rather than getting everything coming out. Totally. The and time. the other thing with lettuces or any of those small leafy vegetables is to do the bit by bit harvest. That they call them, just cut cut several leaves yes. and leave the heart of the plant. That never used to be done once. And I know, more and more but it's, it's it's a terrific idea. You want to make yourself a sandwich at lunch? Just nip out and pick up a leaf, and there you go. Or a salad in the evening. So yeah. that's a great great thing. So keeping um, your existing summer veg going, pulling out anything that's died, and um, Popping in some new stuff. I think seedlings probably better than seeds at this time of year because they give you a head start on that yeah. late summer stuff. But if you've if you've um, if you've got a couple of bare patches, you know it's just an open invitation for weeds. And I think a good idea at this time of the year is a short little job. Just plant some green manure. The lupins. Oh yeah, that is a good idea. They'll take about six weeks to grow. Then you chop them down and dig them into the lawn. That not the lawn, sorry, into the, your veggie patch, yeah. return all the nutrients back into the soil. Yeah, absolutely. So as you're pulling your summer stuff out, so a few of the green manure plants. Now, um, they usually, in fact, I think you can buy seeds of green manure in a packet, yeah. but they're, they're leguminous plants like yes. lupins and peas full and of, things like Full that. of nitrogen. Full of nitrogen. And they come up really quickly and when you dig them back in, they release that into the soil. Yeah. No, it's a good idea. And it's a circuit breaker too, I think, for some disease cycles that get that, going. Yeah, especially yeah. if you've been growing brassicas there, which, which really pull out all the... Um, the nutrients from the soil. It's yeah, good absolutely. to replenish. No, a really good idea. So it's a nice uh, wrap up of the season, I think, don't you, Jenny? Yes. It'll get you in great shape for autumn, which uh, segues nicely to our next episode where we'll talk all about autumn gardening and all the things you can do at that time of year. Mm-hmm.
If there's one thing that characterises February in the garden, it's pest and disease problems. All the weeks of warm summer weather seem to give rise to an explosion of chewing and sucking things at this time of year, as well as a whole lot of fungal and other disease problems. Well, joining me today is a lady who knows all about the challenge of February pest and disease problems and what to do about them. Angie Thomas, horticulturist from Australia's iconic gardening company, Yates. Hi, Angie. Hi, Roger. All right, well, let's kick off with one of the most insidious of pests, which I particularly hate in my garden, mainly because they're almost impossible to see, and that's mites. So I'm just wondering what sort of damage do they do to leaves and how can we control mites in the garden? As you said, they are really tiny. They're almost impossible to spot with the naked eye. And and sometimes we don't spot them until you start to see the signs of damage, which is mottled foliage or bronzed foliage. Sometimes leaves might start to distort and when the mite population explodes, they'll start to produce this webbing, which is one of the reasons why they're called spider mites, is they produce a web. Of course, and that's when you know you've got them. That's when I usually see them in my place. So you've got Mm. a fairly advanced infestation by the time you see the webbing. Absolutely. Um, But it's still not too late to do something about it because if you don't start control measures then, you can actually lose your plant. So it's really important to start spraying with something or doing something. Yeah, they're not a pest to be ignored, are they, mites? No, No. because they breed like rabbits. It should be the expression breed like mites because (laughs) they do have this very short life cycle and they breed very, very quickly. So there's a couple of things that, that you you can do. So one, watch out for those early symptoms. The other thing with mites is they like hot, dry conditions. So if you can create conditions that they don't like, that will help reduce the population. So wetting the foliage of plants. Oh, can, right. Can, as easy as when you're doing your watering. Yeah, so to, water yeah. over the foliage, which mm. we don't normally recommend, but with mites, if you've got a mite sure. problem, you can You'll start do to anything. wet the, yeah, that, That's right, because you want to save your tomatoes or your beans or whatever you've got growing in the garden from these nasty, nasty mites. The other thing is to use a soap-based spray. So it's soap-based insecticide that's Mm -hmm. really good on soft-bodied pests like mites. Ah, something as simple as as, as soap. Mm. And what, spray it when they're at their worst and keep an eye on it for a few weeks? The earlier you can get them, the better. So spray every one to two weeks. So it's much easier to control a few mites than it is when they've brought their extended family for a visit on your favourite vegetables. I'm hearing you. Um, Now, among the pests and diseases, lawns aren't spared either. One of Australia's favourite garden features. Um, The appearance of lawn armyworm starts in February, all in late summer, and I'm just wondering what these grubs do and, again, how you can treat them because lawns are not easy things to spray. Your lawn can almost disappear overnight. It's it's horrifying, actually. So lawn armyworm are the grubs or the caterpillars of nighttime flying moths. Moths, yeah. So which you don't necessarily see, but what they do is they lay their eggs in the thatch of the lawn and the lawn armyworm caterpillars come out in late afternoon in the evening Mm. and start to munch their way through all the the lawn foliage. And one of the reasons that they're called armyworm is you'll see this advancing brown tide across your lawn. It's a horrible image, Angie. Oh, it's it's awful. (laughs) They really – and I've heard people say, one morning I woke up and half my lawn was brown. So, And because you can't see them, they're all Mm. hiding or they do their worst work at night, you don't notice that they're there until the damage appears. Yeah, so sure. the things that you can do is if you suspect you might have a lawn armyworm problem, you can actually lay a damp bit of cardboard or old carpet on the lawn overnight and sometimes then the lawn armyworm caterpillars will congregate underneath that and you can see them. You mm-hmm. think, oh, I know what's happening here. Or if you've got birds pecking at your lawn, they are trying to get at those juicy little 
lawn armyworms, sometimes the birds pecking at the lawn can do additional damage as well. Yeah, so as right. soon as you see any of those symptoms, it's time to start spraying. Look out for something like bathroid, which is a really good broad-spectrum insecticide that's effective against a whole range of lawn pests. Mm-hmm. But at this time of the year, lawn armyworm is something to really get on top of as quick as you can. Good advice, Angie. Now, if you're a vegetable grower, one of the other challenges at this time of year is diseases, uh, like powdery mildew and some of the other fungal diseases. I'm just wondering which vegetables are most prone to mildew and how, again, how can you treat it? At the moment, in my veggie patch, I've got a lot of cucurbits, which is things like pumpkins and zucchinis and cucumbers. Melons, yeah. And the Mm. powdery mildew can really get out of control very, very quickly. Now, powdery mildew is a disease that, first of all, appears as small spots of what looks like uh, talcum powder that's been dusted over the leaves that can really quickly spread to cover the whole leaf. The leaf might start to become a bit yellow. Now, powdery mildew really loves dry, humid weather. So that can really be conducive to a really nasty powdery mildew infection. Mm. It can cause premature death of the plants if you don't treat it. And that's a real shame if you've still got pumpkins and uh, tomatoes and cucumbers still on, on the plant. So you don't want to lose them to powdery mildew. So there's a few things that you can do to help reduce powdery mildew infections. Not having wet foliage. So it's the opposite to mites. <laughs> All the mites yeah. Yes. So you want to water your plants very gently at the base of the plant. So not splashing water up from the soil where the fungal spores are up onto the leaves. Uh, a layer of mulch around the plants can also help that. So again, you're reducing the spore splash up onto the leaves and then also spraying. It's good to get onto it early. The earlier you can get onto your powdery mildew infestation, the better. Now, something like lime sulphur is a really effective fungicide against powdery mildew. Now, I will warn the listeners that it does smell a little bit like rotten eggs. Yeah, it's not a good smell. It's not, but it's so effective Mm. and it's a really handy spray for having in your gardener's toolkit. It's also good for mites as well. So powdery mildew with lime sulphur. Oh, that's good. And is it okay to spray the top of the foliage with powdery mildew, you don't have to try and get under leaves? No, so powdery mildew first will appear on the the upper side, which is opposite to downy Downy mildew, mildew, which is underneath the foliage. So, yes, spray as good a coverage as you can get all over the foliage. All right. Now, just one other area. They say that citrus trees are the source of more gardening questions than any other group of plants in the garden. So with many of them putting out new foliage right now, which pests should we be keeping an eye out for? Oh, look, citrus are fantastic. Everybody should have a lemon tree in their backyard or on their patio. But autumn is a time when you start to get this lovely new flush of tender foliage, which insect pests like citrus leaf miner and also aphids, they just love it. It's delicious. All this beautiful sap is throwing, uh, flowing through the leaves. Now, citrus leaf miner, what happens is a tiny little insect lays her eggs on the leaves. The eggs then hatch and burrow into the leaves and they cause silvery tunnels and the leaves to distort and curl. And that's unfortunately permanent damage. You can't fix that. So you need to be proactive. This is where gardeners need to get their proactive pants on and spray the leaves with an oil-based spray mm-hmm. to protect them from the from the insect in the first place. So the female insect will place her bottom on the leaf and go, ooh, 
I don't like that and go off to somewhere else. So it's a preventative kind of process. Yes, it is. So look out for something like uh, Yates has a a Nature's Way range of products and one of them is called Citrus and Ornamental Spray, which Mm -hmm. is certified for use in organic gardens. It contains vegetable oil and puts a film over the leaves that deters the citrus leaf miner from laying her eggs in the first place. So it's really a preventative action. And the other insect that occurs in autumn is aphids and they love the tender new foliage and they can cause leaves to curl under and distort Uh, so the citrus and ornamental spray in the nature's way range will help control aphids as well so you can get two insects done at the one time absolutely and talking about pest oils reminds me they're always a good thing just to have at hand for all sorts of pests that appear they're a nice surface covering that aren't considered highly toxic and they're sort of good for a whole range of critters that attack all your plants so soft-bodied insects in particular are really good with for oil sprays so absolutely well angie we could talk about pests and diseases for probably another two hours but gardening's about more than just uh, that of course it's just a tricky time of year in late summer so thanks for all that info and we'll chat again thanks for having me. Hello Milton, how are you? Very well, Jen. Good, good. Now we're talking about mood and gardening. How long have you been interested in this and what, what got you going with it? Well, it's probably about 42 years I've been involved in it because wow, astrology has always influenced me over that period. Yeah. And I've always been a pretty keen gardener uh, in the general sense of the word, like everybody else. So um, over the years, I've studied the moon and the cycles because basically what happens here is that the sun rules the seasons but the actual lunar cycles is the germination and also the the pollination uh, of the plants and flowers so if you plant at the right time at the at the right sun sign which is the fertile sign it's like cancer scorpio pisces you're going to have a beautiful garden and then capricorn taurus and libra are the semi-fertile signs and if the moon's in there you're going to have an extra good garden too but the rest of the signs unfortunately are not fertile they're barren and this is why people put it in the garden put their plants in the garden and then find that they don't grow properly or they have a poor showing of vegetables Oh, my God, and I had to go to college to find out why I wasn't successful in my garden. So we're coming into autumn now. What are we supposed to be doing over the next couple of weeks? Well, this period at the moment, no good for planting at all. What you should be doing, or what all gardeners and farmers should be doing at the moment, is spreading your compost, preparing your garden beds, getting them all ready for planting. This is an excellent time to fertilise heavy pruning right through until at least... I would say the 10th of uh, March. Now, the thing is, lawns also can be fertilised and they can also be aerated at the moment, but no planting because the moon is in the low cycle. It's coming up to the new moon, uh, which will be on the 7th of uh, March. But of course, on the 8th and 9th, it moves into Aries and that's a non-sort of fertile sign of the zodiac. So you wouldn't plant until the 10th, 11th and 12th and perhaps uh, those days you can do the above ground crops like lettuces and herbs, uh, cabbage, flowers uh, and cereals and things like that on the farm. And of course what you should be doing too gardeners is getting ready with uh, new lawns so for those people who want to put in a new lawn it's preparing at the moment and I wouldn't advise you to plant the new lawn until after the 10th because those are fertile days and and you'll get uh, a better catch with your grass and also for those people that like to have uh, bulbs 
This is a perfect month for putting in bulbs too, but you don't put the bulbs in until the moon is after the full moon and goes down to the uh, last quarter of the moon. So that would be on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Those are the best days to plant your bulbs. So now's the time we should be ordering our bulbs? You yeah. should be ordering them now and getting ready to plant those bulbs because the best time to plant the bulbs will be between the 22nd, the 23rd and the 24th of March. That's when the moon is in the uh, sort of coming up to the final or nearly to the final quarter and anything that grows below the ground such as bulbs, carrots, onions, beetroot, ginger, radish, those sort of things should be planted at that cycle of the moon. Right. Because some of the, some bulbs, especially, they need to be put in the fridge, um, you know, just to make them acclimatise to the cold ground. That, that's dead right, absolutely. So they need... crisp up in the fridge. Thanks very much, Milton, and we'll talk to you again in, in a couple of weeks. Okay, Jenny, thanks very much, and happy gardening to all. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed your first episode of Garden Better. I've had a great time doing it. Have you, Jenny? I've had a great time too, Roger. Thanks. So we invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'd love to hear from you too, so please take a moment to rate and review the show. We'll be back in a fortnight with a new episode. See you then. See you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.